you and Seinfeld, I feel like touring together, it's a little bit of a monopoly. I feel like the government should break it up. Really? You're, you're taking comedy audiences, you're touring as a double bill. Oh, you're that's taking comedy audiences and you're taking, there's nothing left for the rest of us. Oh my gosh. That's, uh, well, obviously that's, you're being nice, but that's, it is, it is one of those things where Jerry had brought it up before the pandemic. He's like, why, why don't we do a couple of shows together? And I'm like, yeah, sure, sure. On that tour, will you pick his brain about comedy? Oh my gosh. That's all we'll talk about. Well, we, we meet up all the time and do a show and then we'll talk for, Two hours about stand-up. That's interesting. Yeah. And because I is, think he is the guru. Yeah, he's the Socrates of, of comedy. He is. That is the voice of the great Jim Gaffigan. Welcome to Working It Out. This is Mike Birbiglia. We couldn't be more excited about this episode today. The first time we had Jim Gaffigan on the show was our, our most popular episode of all time. And... This one uh, is in studio. Um, we have the entire thing on YouTube right now. It's on my YouTube channel. You go there and subscribe. Uh, it looks great, sounds great. And it's um, Jim is just, he's been doing this so well, so long. I mean, it's unbelievable. The guy's had a 30 plus year comedy reign. Um, Variety has him on their cover this week, and it says Jim Gaffigan comedy's prolific powerhouse and he is precisely that if you go back and listen to the first episode that i did with him you'll hear the story of when i uh called his landline in the 1990s uh back when there were landlines i i went to the alumni house at georgetown university and i looked up comedian and there was one in the alumni and it was jim gaffigan i called him and he gave me some of the best advice that I've received to this very day. Um, we talk today about his new special, Dark Pale. We talk about process. We talk about joke writing. It really, it gets pretty deep. I have to say, like, there, there were moments in this interview today where I, where I thought, wow, this is, I've known Jim for a long time, but I'm hearing him say things I've never heard him say before. I just want to mention a couple things uh, before we go into the episode. I'm going to be in Edinburgh, Scotland with the old man in the pool. And then I'm going to be in the West End of, of London uh, for 30 performances in September. 30! All of this is on Burbigs.com. Uh, the Working It Out shows of new material this summer have been so fun. And we're going to announce more of those soon. I'm doing four shows in Boston, um, which we're titling Christmas Parmesan, based on a joke from the old man in the pool. But it's going to be my new hour in Boston, at the Wilbur, one of my favorite theaters on the planet. That is in December, and um, it's on sale now. So get those tickets fast for Boston. Those are going to be amazing shows. In my in my hometown, all new material, <laughs> Christmas Parmesan. The perfect Christmas gift is Christmas Parmesan, and you could actually gift it with, with uh, chicken Parmesan. I mean, did I even have to finish the sentence? My conversation today with Jim is so fun. His special is so good. It's called Dark Pale. It is on Prime Video. And enjoy my conversation with the great Jim Gaffigan. You opened for the Pope. Yes. And it was a big deal yeah. because the Pope, like, doesn't even come to America that often. Right. And so yeah. you opened for him. 
you've been doing comedy for like 30 years. You probably don't get nervous. You must have gotten nervous up in for the boat. Oh, I was terrified. I mean, because it was a no-win situation, right? Right. It was one of those things where <laughs> nobody, uh, you know, there's reverence and then there's, you know, it's kind of like the worst type of corporate. Right. right. And it was Philadelphia. And, you know, the whole Northeast is just, you know, there's just a hatred that runs through the Northeast. That's hilarious. Right? Well, for sure. That's why there's so many comedians from the Northeast. I think so. But I, I call the whole Acela line, I call it the corridor of hate. <laughs> <laughs> because there's so much anger there. <laughs> You're dead on. Philly. Yeah, you know, LA, DC, New York, Baltimore. Boston. Yeah, I know that you line know, well. It's it's all yeah, the quiet car isn't quiet. No, <laughs> and there's there's an anger there. But by the way, I love it though. It's so funny because you said that the opening for the Pope was like a corporate because I do a lot of corporates and you do a lot of corporates because yeah. we're both we don't curse a lot. Yeah, and so we, when the corporation wants to do an event, they're like, oh, these guys won't mess right. it up right won't they ruin. won't alienate the people because yeah, yeah. a lot of comedians if you say don't do this yes their instinct is to do that of course then of course right. i will do that the le- they, they always say that the last thing you should tell a comedian to do is not do something yeah because they will say that thing they'll do that thing yes but like i always think of you when i'm at corporates because i'm like jim can work anywhere. Like, and I do well, but every once in a while, like I did one in Boston where it was like international business people from around the world. They, they didn't speak the same language. They probably spoke yeah. 10 different languages. Yeah. They didn't know each other. It was like a conference. Yeah. And I bombed. Oh, it was, yeah. when I say it was silent in the, in the room, it was as if the, if the Buddha was there, he would have said, here is true peace. Yeah. And I got off stage and the guy, running the event goes, and they usually try to dress it up. Yeah. He, he goes, does it usually go that badly? <laughs> does it ever happen? And, and has it ever happened for you? Oh, yeah. After all the years you've done it, it still stings because you develop these tools to avoid those situations. But we're such whores for the money yeah. that we're like, all right, I'll go in there. Because I also How consider, bad could one hour be? I did an event where um, it was in somewhere in florida and it was for like it was like a millionaire's club like where people were (laughs) and they're like all millionaires and they meet and they share ideas and (laughs) business ideas and there was the announcement no videotaping no photos before the show and it was a bloodbath of no laughter it was well. It was there was some laughter, but it was true combat. It was oh, they were coming. It was at like you. there was just kind of uh, heckling. There were videotaping. I would say, "Can you please not do that?" And they'd be like, "Oh, come on!" And then oh so it was like it was like a prom show. Oh, come on, do you know what I mean? <laughs> just it to was, give context to the audience, <laughs> people would have no idea that a prom show even exists. Yeah. When Jim and I were starting out, I mean, early two thousands for me, in the nineties yeah. for you we would go to Caroline's and they would book us at two or three in the morning, sometimes yes. four in the morning to perform for kids who yes. needed to do activities after their senior prom. So they wouldn't be So they wouldn't be pregnant, drinking. And then of pregnant. course they would be yeah. drinking secretly. Yes. And then we would perform comedy and bomb. I mean, it would yes. go terribly. 
Yes. And it, it would be would, people like you and me and, and you know, Ted Alexander and people who are great comics. Yeah. And are, and are bombing in front of these high school kids. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, it's interesting because they are similar to corporates. Like, it's almost – like, I remember there was this thought where it's like I don't want to – I want to do well on a corporate, but also if you do too well, like there are certain <laughs> yes. shows that like- It's like if you do too well on a roast. Yeah. No, start to or, go like, am I even a good comedian? Well, it's also like that it's a different skill set, yes. right? And there are great comedians that can do roasting thing. But like I view it as similar to crowd work. It's like, yeah, that's a great skill. There are people that mm-hmm. are really good at it, but I don't think there's- enough value in doing crowd work. I'm too much of a uh, obsessed with the writing and the rewriting. Yeah. And I you know and I can tell you are too. Yeah, you know what I mean completely it's obsessed. just like yeah. it's like yeah there's I mean that's really impressive that you can do uh the crowd work but like you know prom shows corporates uh you know uh roasts and stuff like that which I've you I've never really done a roast. Have I've you never done, done one? I only did one, you know, years ago before yeah. Amazon became what it is. Yeah. There was a, a humor site called The Modern Humorist, and they asked me to roast Jeff Bezos. Oh, wow. And so I showed up, and Joe Birbiglia and I wrote jokes about Jeff Bezos. Oh, wow. And I sat there next to Jeff, I stood there next to Jeff Bezos, and I mocked him for 15 minutes. And then it was written up in Wall Street Journal and stuff like that. And it was like the oh. only, it's the only roast I ever did. If there is something about roasting, and now he's the most powerful person in the world and could shrink me into like a yeah. like into a, and a, he a was corn, a giant a corn kernel if he wanted to. There is, it is fascinating how you know because you get so deep into writing and and you know having teenagers and all this, it's you realize like roasting is is put down humor right yeah and that's. And there's something, look, it's funny. It's, you know, um, all the diplomatic things I'm supposed to say, but it is put down humor. It is, all the diplomatic it is eighth grade. It is kind of, uh, uh, your mom is fat, right? right. And That's the, the basis whole thing of is, all, all put down humor. And your mom and is blank. It's, it's yeah. also, it's similar to crowd work, making fun of someone's shirt. And again, there are masters at it. Yeah. But it's, it's, you know, in the end, it's, you know, as, as great as, uh, you know, uh, Don Rickles was, it was it was a little bit of the curmudgeon-y thing, right? It was it was kind of like the the lovable mean guy, you know what I mean? And there is, I mean, there's only one Don Rickles, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's hard to kind of be in that lane. Whereas, like, I think, you know, other types of comedy, it's there's more paths out of it. There was a there was a roast joke that Tom Papa talked about on this podcast where yeah. John Mulaney roasted him by calling him Jim Gaffa Cant. <laughs> and he said it was the meanest thing that anyone ever said to him. Gaffa Cant? Gaffa Cant. Tom, you're like Jim Gaffa Cant. And he That's... said it hurt him so much. He was like, because we all revere Jim and it's sort of, and I've always been in Jim's shadow in some way in my career. And like it, hurt, it hurts me. Like it, he's like, he said it 15 years ago. 
Oh my God, that's so weird. <laughs> well, there's also something about the roasting thing. You, you know, if you put it out, you got to take it. And there's part of me uh, that I don't want to take it. I don't want to take it either. Do you know what I mean? Not and interested. So, <laughs> and, and so like, I don't have any, again, it's like I enjoy them. And you, what's the meanest burn anyone's head of you, even on, on or off stage? Oh, yeah, no, there's... When do uh, people diss you and it like actually hurts your feelings? What, what, yeah, that's like a really nice mic. What makes, <laughs> what makes you feel horrible, Jim? <laughs> I just want to put that out there so that all my... So people uh, can do it. All my berbigliites. <laughs> so people can, can press that button <laughs> on your head. My berbigliites. Oh, God. Um, you know, there is... I call them burbig heads. Burbig heads. <laughs> no, we don't use that. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, uh, you know, it's weird. All right, here. You so, don't have to say this, but you could say like, what does Jeannie say to be mean? What does your wife uh, say to be mean? Because she's super funny. She, uh, well, you know, it's like, look, that's we've been married 20 years, so it's like... It's so complex beyond that. You know what I mean? It's right. like, that's like, that has nothing. She knows to like cut right to the right. bone. She goes straight right? in there. Yeah, yeah. It's why, you know, and I've been trying to work on that. It's like when pe when husbands have a fear of their wife, it doesn't mean they're weak. It just means that this person knows them so well. It's like I think about this all the time. Right? It doesn't it it's not an indictment of the spouse. No. It's it's really like you're dumb enough to be that vulnerable to this one person. You know, oh my it's God. like they're That's the That's such a deep statement. They're the emotional bank. So like, yeah, you don't want to piss that person off. But I think about this well cuz in my new hour I'm talking so much about marriage yeah. because I spend 90% of my life with my wife and daughter. Like yeah. it's so much, so my observations are so much about relationships. But what you're describing is what I'm kind of kicking around in that sand, which is like, yeah. if you're, like if you're not, like the similar thing, like if you're not afraid of your wife, like I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Or yeah. husband. If you're not yeah. a little bit afraid because that person could just squash you it's, emotionally it's without not, lifting a finger. It's not about uh, financial consequences or sleeping on the couch. Yeah. It's, uh, it's you know, it's the, 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 the knowledge that they have. And it's, it's almost kind of like an emotional knowledge they have. Yes. Because you've, particularly if you've been married to them for that long. Yeah, for me, 15 years this week. And you've, you know, if you're like in a relationship that long, you failed so dramatically. Of course. You know what I mean? And We've they've all had failed to so much. They've had to forgive you. They've been in the me. front never, row for yeah. all of your failures. Yes. Yeah. And they went like that and go, all right, <laughs> stand up, right? <laughs> That's right. The one, the joke I have that I'm working on, which is like, I feel so lucky to have found this person who understands me most in the world. And yet about once a week, she'll stare at me while I'm doing some activity and she'll go, well, what are you doing? And yeah. then I'll explain whatever it is. And then she'll start laughing, not with me, just at me with no yeah. one. And then I'll say, why are you laughing? She'll say, no reason. And that's the end of the conversation. And that's the person who understands me most. Yes. <laughs> Which yes. is sometimes it's lonely. Yeah. 
And uh, and by the way, you, you almost like you, you know you fear your wife, but you also feel sorry for them. You're like, ah, shit, you got to deal with me. You deal with me. You know what I mean? It's huge. Yeah. Certainly, as a comedian, because our whole thing is, and she's a, she's a comedian as well, and and or comedy writer as well, and Jen's a poet, and so they share a lot in common with us. But you have to be married to someone who, essentially, for their profession, scrutinizes things to a point of absurdity. Yeah, and is is embraces the contrarian view. That's like, right. And, and what people have to understand is that it's being married to a comedian is kind of like having a roommate that's a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like you have to be the person that's like, did we land on the moon? That's so did funny. We? And yeah, it's, I, that's exactly that's, right. That's entertaining for a while. And for the audience. <laughs> but like, you know, uh, I don't know. I Well, I had this joke about it recently where I didn't say early stage, but it's just like, Jen goes like, sometimes I feel like you're not happy. I'm like, right. Like, yeah. That's what you were into when we met. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. I go, but I'm funny about it. I go, yeah. when I stop being funny about it, you can totally leave. Yeah. Because I think that that's what, that's our, that's our strength as comics, right? Is like, we can take what we believe is the reality of this scenario, which is like that everything, life is challenging. There's no way around it, you know? Uh, and we can, what our strength is, is we're able to make that somewhat funny. Yeah. And if we can't, uh, I get it. Yeah. I get why someone would walk. Um, I, you, so you, uh, in, in Dark Pale, you shot in Tampa, which is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it ridiculous? Well, it's a, it's a funny town. First of all, I have family in Tampa, <laughs> and I love I love them, and I'm going to visit them. I'm, I think I, I haven't announced this, but it's in I think in February, and like because I love them, but they used to live in Buffalo. And my joke about Tampa is it's the Buffalo of Florida. <laughs> see, see, but I feel like Tampa is the southern capital of the Midwest. It's what it's. Everyone on the so everyone from the East Coast goes to the East Coast. You're of absolutely Florida. right. Okay. Now and, I, and, and I Midwesterners this. and Canadians go to the West Coast. Of you're Florida. absolutely right. But then you go. You have a joke up front about Tampa, America's next great city. I forget what the exact no, joke that is. is. That is when I lived there. That was the big thing that Tampa was. America. I mean, this was 30 years ago. Yeah. But Tampa was. I mean, they were building a, a mile of highway a day in Florida. It's wow. just like it's the population probably doubled. Yeah, you know what I mean. In the past forty years, do you always open with local jokes? Because like I was in Philadelphia a few weeks yeah. ago, and you ever feel like you go too far? Like <laughs> I go, we're in Philadelphia, the place where people go when it doesn't work out in New York. And oh my was, gosh! And it was like. It was like what? <laughs> the audience. Yeah. Yeah. No. Laughter I think and, yeah. Philadelphia incredible amount of pride. Incredible yes. amount of pride. Like, yes. The uh, you and I and Mulaney a few months ago we raised yes. a million and a half dollars for Georgetown right. Scholarship Isn't that Program. Amazing? So how much of that do you get to keep? A million and <laughs> four point five. <laughs> no, none of it. It's you great know? though. Yeah. It we is raised great. a whole bunch of bucks. Yeah, it we, is. and we'll plug it on here because we—it's a scholarship program. 
for first generation college students. Yeah. And we've done it twice now. Yes. Never again. <laughs> no, <laughs> no it's we'll one do of it those again. things where <laughs> it was draining. It's it's so well you you know you, you everyone has these different things and so you're trying to you, you know some of it is you're protecting the comedians from the bureaucracy that exists. Yeah. Where they're like, "Hey, can they all do this? Can they wear like a suit?" And you're like, "No, no, no, no. <laughs> yes. They are showing up. We're nice. Doing folks. the best we can, right? I'm wearing a blazer. <laughs> I'm like an adult. I'm like you an look adult. Nice. I'm like you're an adult. ready for the corporate that is working it out. I'm an adult. You know, like every now and then you'll see someone in a blazer, and you're like, "Should I?" <laughs> do you wear a blazer every now and then? No, I don't. I, I do it for the, you know, talk shows and things, but I, yeah. I, I don't, generally don't. Um, I should. It's a slimming. It has a slimming effect. Right? But it's just uh, like. I need to enter the phase of my career where I'm really looking to win people over with my looks. When, no. <laughs> when does that start? I don't, I don't think that's in, uh, that's not an opportunity for me, that's for sure. But like, I do feel like there is some like I'm not gonna wear a tie, but like, yes, you know, like, did you ever debate like, should I wear jeans? Like, right. am I too old to wear jeans? I think one of the wisest things I've ever heard is, as a comedian, don't wear shorts. Oh yeah, well, shorts is deadly. Unless, but Canadians, I feel like Canadians can <laughs> wear shorts. Why is that? Support for Working Out comes from Aura Frames. We all love taking photos on our phones, right? But there's so many of them. Hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of photos wasting away in your camera roll. Stop scrolling through so many photos. Start putting them to good use with a unique, stylish, digital picture frame from Aura Frames. I got one of them right by my bedside. It's like a slideshow of photos that I really like from my, of my family that sort of scrolls through on this little frame, this little picture frame. I love it. Free unlimited storage. You can add unlimited photos and videos. Invite as many people as you want to a frame. There are absolutely no hidden fees or subscriptions, and it's private. You have complete control over who has access to your frame. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code WIO. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, code W-I-O. Terms and conditions apply. Working It Out is supported by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content. On beautiful video pages, you can even access your video library by adding a paywall to your content. My God, Squarespace is keeping up with the times. They're the forerunners of the industry. They're way ahead of us and right with us. I made up that slogan. I should point out that this is an ad for Squarespace, but I love Squarespace. Our website for Thank God for Jokes was Squarespace. Our website for Stand Up and Vote was Squarespace. Couldn't recommend it more highly. We use it all the time. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, head to squarespace.com slash burbigs, B-I-R-B-I-G-S, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash burbigs to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. 
So the, the special is called Dark Pale. Yes. It's darker material. Yes. Is that why you called it that? Yeah, I mean, some of you it was... You talk about death like a lot. Yeah, and some of it is, you know, it's all self-assignment, right? So it's like with each of your shows, you sit there and you go, all right, I'm going to do this. And I feel as though there are, uh, you know, for most comedians, and that's why I think podcasts are so entertaining for people, is that there is... Uh, forget about the the uncensored thing, but I think there's darker sides to comedian. Like what comedians, oh my god, and laugh about is uh, you know different from what we. And so, like some of it, it's embracing some of that nihilism or that cynicism that is her- inherently in me. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I, so, I say yeah. stuff at the, I say stuff at the cellar that I would never put in a special. Like, I, I followed Keith Robinson the other night, yeah. who's had two strokes and talks about it explicitly yeah. on stage, and he's yeah. brilliant. I mean, no one funnier than Keith Robinson. And I go on stage after. Whenever I go after him, I go, "Did did Keith do all my stroke material?" Yeah. I go, you know, we've all had a couple, but some of us just handle it better. Right. And, the, and so, of course, the audience loves it. Yeah, they, audience audiences like dark humor. They do, they do. But like, you have a joke where, where you go when an anti-vax preacher dies, everyone's like, "Good." Yeah, and the audience goes crazy. Yeah, and that was in Florida, by the way. Yeah, I know. And so there is, I mean, it is interesting, like doing some material and you know, hearing the laughs. And hearing different types of laughs. Because I remember when I was doing Dark Pale, I have stuff where I talk about uh, global warming. And, uh, you know, um, and some of it is like, by the way, like I I believe that there's global warming. Mm -hmm. But like I, I don't understand it. You know, it's a little bit like the stock market. Right. I'm like I know that people make money in yes. the stock market, but I would I'm pretending to yes. understand it. Yeah, I know that, I know Apple's a good thing to buy, <laughs> but but the 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 point I'm getting to with um, the uh, the the global warming material is the different laughs from different parts of the audience. Yeah. So and and it can shift like. There is part of me, like when I do the the global warming material, where people, I can feel some people in the audience going, "Well, I don't believe in global warming, but I'll go along with your premise because yeah. I like you." Yeah. And there's also some people that are like, "I can't believe we're not <laughs> judging, <laughs> dealing this? with yes. the global warming yes. thing." You know, like there is this, and it's. But by the way, to answer your uh, your question about what hurts me, uh, what has burn. ever burned me, is the um, the thing about like when I went off uh, on Trump yeah. and the Republican thing. There was, I mean, there was uh, Trump and uh, Trump people and trolls, but like there was like a couple of people that are like. Jim Gaffigan lost his entire audience because they're all dumb right-wingers. And I'm like, no, they're not. You know, like the whole thing is, is like, like I felt like that that kind of hurt my feelings. <laughs> like, because I do like, and I'm sure you're the same way. I like the, 
and I'm not saying I have the most diverse audience, but like the, I do like the fact that there is the lesbian couple sitting next to the Mormon family mm -hmm. at my show. So like- I love that. I love that, there's, I, mean? I love that I have 12 year olds and 100 year olds in my right. audience. I love it. I was gonna say something very irreverent. But, <laughs> but you love that for a different reason, Mike. That's oh God, what, <laughs> my God. Jesus Christ. The, no, uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, but I, mo I, mainly for the, cause you like to have sex with hundred year olds. Oh my God. But um, this is the sign of Jim Gaffigan. No, but like, so like that, uh, but that's, I would say that's what was kind of- Hurtful. It's a generalization that, and maybe it hurt because there was a point where I was like, oh my God, what if everyone that came to my shows is a Trump supporter? And they weren't. But right. like there, and, and at the time it didn't matter, but it was kind of like, what if, because what you reap, you sow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what you sow, you reap. And so like the whole thing of, and you've seen this with other comedians, like if you do really filthy stuff or you do stuff just about partying that's who's coming that's your audience that's burt greischer's audience that's, the party that's that's the people that are coming yeah. now if you're fine with that that's fine yeah but and that's why i think with every hour i do try and challenge them like tie glasses like you 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 always have some jokes to like weed people out. oh my god you do you know what i mean kind yeah. of like well obviously you know uh, you know, and some of it might be as basic as like uh, not being freaked out by gay people. You know what I mean? Like right. there should be something of like, so if people are like truly homophobic, they're going to be like, oh, wait a minute. You know what I mean? Right. The, 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 this guy's not for me. Yes. And then you just self-weeded them out basically. Yes. It's funny because you and I have this in common, which is I've been on the road for 20 years seeing the whole, you know, the con whole country. You've been on the road for th almost 30 years probably, yeah. right? And it's like, people do have a wild misconception on the coast of the middle of the country. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's really off. Like, people say to me constantly, like, a middle of the country, those shows must be terrible. I'm like, no, they're really good. Yeah, it's weird. I think it's, but like, being from the Midwest, I always think it's, like, odd when uh, people on the coast have this flyover mentality. It's like, but you do know, Chicago is yeah dead center in the middle of the country. It's the third largest city, or maybe yeah. it's, but like it is, it just seems kind of, uh, it's weird when people are like so against bigotry and then they attack it by introducing another form of bigotry. It's very strange. What a great guy I am. I like Again. this guy. I like this guy. Right. Not only does he have great observational he's humor. He's also wearing a blazer. <laughs> he's a grown-up Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> he looks like he's showered. <laughs> oh, my God. I snorted. Oh, That's good that I snorted. That is good. You have one of the great uh, opening lines, which is, hi, I'm Jim Gaffigan. I've never heard of me either. Right. And you probably yeah. can't do it anymore. You're really a household name. Oh, no. I did that. I did that at, like... I don't know, my second or third special. And then I did it at the Grammy Awards and it killed. Are you I did it like, kidding me? I did it like 15 years later. I was like nervous and I was like, I've never heard. And it was like, ah. Because that's, talk about an audience. Like I wouldn't, let me ask you this. Like hosting the Grammys, I would never want to do that. No, I don't, people don't understand. I don't want to host anything. Right. But it's interesting because 
you know, Gary here who works on the show, he's been opening up a bunch of my working it out new material shows. And one of the things we always talk about is like, you got to have an opening joke. And the reason you need an opening joke is the audience doesn't know whether or not they're on your side yet. And that mm. is like the perfect joke. I've never heard of me either. The reason it's perfect, in my opinion, is it's I've never heard of me either. Six words. Yeah. And you're on the, you've analyzed how they see you. Yeah. And then you've read their minds. Yeah. And then you've come up with six words that encapsulate that immediately. And they represent that you have a sense of humor and that you understand them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like so dense. Yeah. Did How many years did it take for you to come up with that? Were you like, I got to come up with an opening joke? Well, I feel like with, uh, with each of them, I was kind of trying to think of, uh, you know, like there's different, you know, but when I do a special, then I'm like, all right, I got to find another way into this. Yeah. Where it kind of diffuses, because it's awkward, right? You're yeah. essentially, you know, greeted with applause. And so how do you diffuse that and segue into the show? Yeah. Right? Because... I do think that I want to get to work and I also want them to uh, know that I'm uh, going to be doing jokes. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. But it is like there's different jokes in each of the specials that are kind of, you know, like I think one of them I was like, oh, he's fatter than I thought he would be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's Some of it is uh, disarming the awkward moment, but also speaking for them, acknowledging self-awareness. Yeah. You've been in comedy 30 years. It's like, you've changed as a comic. Absolutely. What's the biggest change you think in your comedy? Um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I would say it is so, um, you know, like I went through periods where I was writing a lot with my wife. Yeah. And I would say that there's times when um, I would, and I'm sure this is probably the case with you, where I would, um, and now I sometimes go on stage and kind of riff on a topic. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, just the complexity of our family life has, Five you know, when kids. I first yeah. started dating my wife, I would, do a spot, either she would come with me or after a spot, I would grab a bottle of wine and we would sit at home drinking wine, talking comedy. Yeah. And you just, like, the luxury of that is just <laughs> gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, um, and so now we're, like, trying to squeeze in conversations, you yes. know? Yes. What, your son does stand up? Started doing he, stand up? He, he's toured with me. He's 17. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it's so amazing because he, um, I don't know, have you done the Minnesota State? There's different state fairs and it's, you perform for like 13,000 Oh my gosh, wow. Outside. Um, so he opened, he's opened for, we've done a couple of weeks, like a bus tour here So and he there. performed in front of 13,000 people? And he was like completely unfazed. Unbelievable. And, but it's also... I'm all about preparation. I assume you are too, yeah, right? I'm obsessed, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, 
I'm like, dude, you got to write out your beats. You know, you got to prepare. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. And I'll come in the room and he's like just looking at his phone. I'm like, there's like 3,000 people out there. (laughs) All right, this is called the slow round. Okay. This is a new one. What's your guilty pleasure food? Because you talk about it so much. Yeah. What's your one that's real and you actually eat it? I mean, guilty pleasure in that it's like, it's just absolute garbage. Yeah, like, come on. Like, you're still eating that? Like, are you still eating Hot Pockets? Like, for real? No, no, I never ate Hot Pockets. (laughs) That's the whole irony. (laughs) Wait, you never ate them for real? No, I never. Well, I wasn't, I never said that I liked that. That's what's interesting. If you look at the Hot Pocket material, I never said I liked them. (laughs) This is hilarious to me. I, you're famous, I made, you're famous for I made, being the hot pocket person. I made fun of them. I know, you mocked for them mercilessly. diarrhea and stuff like that. <laughs> and people were like, oh, you Double love snort, hot pockets. Second snort. You know, but uh, yeah, no, I never really, um, but what's, there's a lot of guilty pleasures. Where, Mine's Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous food. It's a ridiculous food. Yeah. But I, um, my wife is from Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so anything cheese. So she's kind of a cheese snob. And I love this port wine cheddar, mm. which is like a processed, essentially processed cheese. And she's like, you, don't eat that. Just get real cheddar. You like cheddar. You like cheese. Why are you getting that? And I'm yeah. like, I just like the tang of it. Ah, oh, that's how I feel about like, the macaroni and cheese with the powder. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, the powder cheese where it's like, yeah. I, my joke, it's a little my joke, tart. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. I make the joke at stage. It's like, a, it's not even cheese. It's like a press conference for cheese. Like, cheese, yes. cheese couldn't be here this afternoon. Yeah. I, I'm here on behalf of cheese. I'd like to thank butter. Milk was a big part of this. Uh, but I love that stuff. Um, what's a song that makes you cry? Oh, I only like sad songs. My kids get so angry. They get so angry. Enough with these sad songs, my God. But I only like ballads. What do you? What songs can you think of? Oh gosh, I don't know. Here, let me. Yeah, I, look on your you're on your Spotify or whatever. But I have I have a lot of uh, musical taste. I, I'm very insecure about my musical taste. So oh, perfect. Um, I have the call by yeah, Regina yeah. Spector up here. I have. Uh, Karma Police. Oh, yeah. Karma Police is a perfect example. It's such a crier. It's such an emotional song. Yeah. But my kids get mad because they're they're bad songs and I listen to them. Well, they're not bad bad songs. songs. They're just kind of, they're sad and they're kind of ballads, like Louis Capaldi stuff. I like that stuff. Yeah. You know what gets me? Uh, Olivia Rodrigo's song, Driver's License. Oh, really? Gets me. If you hear the noise right now, it's people unsubscribing from this podcast. That's so funny. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, <laughs> and it's not an insult to, to uh, Olivia Rodrigo. It's the fact that like this wasn't recorded in 2021. That's but, so um, funny. No, I saw it. I didn't even, that wasn't even on my radar. It yeah. was a huge hit. And then I went to see Kiki Michael Key host SNL, and and I was like, I saw it live for the first time, and I was like, yeah. crying. I'm like, this is unbelievable. This song is yeah. beautiful. I don't even know if she wrote it. I think she. She did. It. No, she writes yeah. all of it. 
The, uh, you and Seinfeld, who you're touring with, I feel like touring together, it's a little bit of a monopoly. I feel like the government should break it up. Really? You're, you're taking comedy audiences, you're touring as a double bill. Oh, you're that's taking comedy audiences and you're taking, there's nothing left for the rest of us. Oh my gosh. That's, uh, well, obviously that's, you're being nice, but that's, it is, it is one of those things where Jerry had brought it up before the pandemic. He's like, why, why don't we do a couple of shows together? And I'm like, yeah, sure, sure. On that tour, will you pick his brain about comedy? Oh my gosh. That's all we'll talk about. Well, we, we meet up all the time and do a show and then we'll talk for two hours about stand-up. That's interesting. Yeah. And because I is, think he is the guru. Yeah. He's the Socrates of, of comedy. He is. And he, he is, knows the most. And he's he's an absolutist. Like there's so he is uh he's one of those guys that uh he also removes some emotions that would get in the way. Like he doesn't gossip, he doesn't he is all about like it's either funny or it's not. Yeah. It's just jokes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's not, I mean, he's human. He has opinions on things. He but also like, said a, th a thing famously once. Yeah. I think about his stuff all the time. He said, if a joke works once, it can work forever. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, isn't that an interesting concept? Yeah. He also says, to put it in, a, in an acting perspective, that the audience is your scene partner, which I think is true. Oh, that's brilliant. He's got so much wisdom. Yeah, and it's, some of it is it's really fun talking about some of uh, the philosophies on things and he'll, he'll have a strong opinion on something. So like one of the things he says is he's like, Oh, you know, someone will be ask him about something. I'll be like, and he's not being dismissive of the person, but he's like, all right. in five years, who's doing this in five years? Yeah. Who's who's uh, and some of it is, and because I think that comedy is, you have to evolve. Who's doing this in five years? That's powerful. Right. Working It Out is supported by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content. On beautiful video pages, you can even access your video library by adding a paywall to your content. My God, Squarespace is keeping up with the times. They're the forerunners of the industry. They're way ahead of us and right with us. I made up that slogan. I should point out that this is an ad for Squarespace, but I love Squarespace. Our website for Thank God for Jokes was Squarespace. Our website for Stand Up and Vote was Squarespace. Couldn't recommend it more highly. We use it all the time. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, head to squarespace.com slash burbigs, B-I-R-B-I-G-S, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash burbigs to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Support for Mike Burbiglia's Working It Out comes from Helix Sleep. Helix has been with this podcast from the very beginning. We are huge Helix mattress fans over here. Let me tell you a few things that are great about Helix Sleep mattresses. They are fiberglass-free. Unlike other brands, Helix mattresses do not contain fiberglass, which can be harmful to your health. As you may have seen in the news or on social media, 
there have been a number of health issues and lawsuits related to fiberglass and mattresses. You know, actually, I used to, I used to have a mattress that was pure fiberglass. It was just, it was literally a bed of fiberglass. No longer. I sleep on Helix mattresses, which are fiberglass-free. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash burbigs. That's helixsleep.com slash burbigs. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. No, now. Um, I wrote this one this morning, which is, uh, you know, our, I have a daughter and eventually we're going to have to have a sex talk, which is, you know, I'm dreading. But so I, I pitched, with your I, wife or no, <laughs> no that's, that was, <laughs> my joke was, so I'm, I, I pitched to my wife that we, she and I should have sex and do a Q and A <laughs> and I, cause I have a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all I have. It's called sex talk with Q and A. Right. That's funny. That's fun. Right. But it is like, uh, it is, you know, the, the weird, you know, the sex thing. It's also, it's once you get, you bring up sex and you enter the kid thing, then it's. Oh, I know. It's really, it's also, it's just, you don't want to get icky. Oh, right? I know. I, I said a joke on stage the other night that I. I don't think I'll do it again, but it's it's it was funny in the moment. I go, I yeah. hate, I love my daughter, I hate her friends. Yeah. I go when I when I, I they're insufferable. I go when I when I'm with her friends, I'm like, I I I'm like I now I really don't understand pedophilia. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, but like, and I'm not going to do that again. It won't see, be in the next that's hour. That's one of those things where. Among comedians, that's a very we, comedians we, of comedians joke. We love the darkness of it because we also, you know, we know that like that is the, some of the humor is that it's antithetical to your values. Da da da. Yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, the general populace would be like, "You're being dismissive of that." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, but it's weird yeah. because you and I have this in common, which is. Ira Glass called me out on this on this podcast. He's like, you're so calm on stage. And in life, you're not calm. You're intense and you're anxious and you're listening. I know, I go, I go, but I, it's honest. When I'm on stage, I'm actually more calm than I am off stage. Yeah, no, there is something interesting also. I think there's also something, um, there's, you know, there's biases we all kind of carry around with us. Yeah. That... And I think because people look at us, you, uh, you and me, and they don't think nudge. What's nudge? Nudge is kind of like somebody who's just kind of uh, driven. Oh, right. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's, uh, you know, it's like here, it's, I think it's like a, a, a Yiddish term and stuff like that. But it's, but it's because the perception is that we're not like that. Yeah. And our... Our personalities are not like that, that we probably get away with more. It's kind of like uh, the equivalent of someone being really tall and people assuming they'd be good at basketball. Right. It's just this, it's it's in some ways a harmless bias. Right. But, but you're like a person who your act, I mean, you've made it 10 comedy specials. You're one of the few people on the planet who's made 10 comedy specials and you talk about being lazy. Right. It's like you're not lazy. Come on. 
But some of it is there are moments of it, right? There are moments right. where we engage in like right, you're not being dishonest. You have the feeling sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And there's still, you know, compared to my wife, I am very lazy. Oh, that's interesting. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. um, you know, when I go to a parent teacher conference, I do need a vacation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, it's just brutal. <laughs> it's just like walking in schools. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you guys have to come here every day. This is this is a fun this I think you'll relate to. Is um it's so absurd. I was on the subway heading to the cellar to work on material and I'm carrying like these note yeah. cards and they all have jokes on them. Yeah. And I'm memorizing them. And this woman next to me goes, Hey, are you a comedian? And I go, Yeah, yeah. I go, I'm just working on my notes. And we both look down and the note card says, Remembering porn. <laughs> and then neither of us speak for the rest of the subway ride. And then I exit the train and we never speak again. It was. The oh, silence great. was so deafening, I'm still deaf. Well, by the way, that that whole thing is like, and that's what, I don't know what your new show is about, <laughs> but that is, that's a slice of it, <laughs> that that you get into that What's the remembering slice of porn. It? That, oh, did that I tell them? Right, that I weigh in. So then here's that the joke. That you sit there and that's like, that's like a juicy part where you sit there and you go, we're going to save that. Even if the porn joke oh, doesn't interesting. work. interesting, yes. Like you you use as a as, as a as a as a tease early in the set and because you come to the joke later. Because there is something about like, it's a little bit of that, uh, what I should have said. Yes, it's a little what I should have said was nothing, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, do you have any bits that you're, you're throwing on stage right now that are like new? I mean, I've been kind of, uh, you know, I was working on this movie, so I haven't been obsessing. But like, there is a joke that yesterday I was telling someone, and they were like, "That's funny," which was about how, um, and again, it might not be anything, but like how Pat Sajak is retiring. Yeah, and I was like is it do you really call it retiring <laughs> from from hosting wheel of fortune like it's like even if he after he takes like two weeks off yeah is he like uh you know i tell you i you know i gotta get my mind back in it you know for i gotta first of all i gotta i gotta do you know i definitely forget which letters are vowels yes. you know what i mean so i have to go through that That's it's just funny. i just think it's so interesting because Obviously, Pat Sajak, it's great that, you know, we associate him with Wheel of Fortune. But yeah. Is I, that, uh, is there like, no one's going to be able to. I got to I gotta remind myself, what's spin. a person? What's a place? What's yes. a thing? You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, what is the, was he the luckiest man in entertainment in history? Or is there. Maybe I'm not looking at it. Maybe there is something really unique that he does besides it's yeah. your turn. Oh my God. I wrote this joke. I wrote this joke recently about how my daughter's eight. You met her on the way and she's yeah. like the greatest. And it's the cutest age. And But in my mind, I can't not leap to when she's 16 and she's going to be like, my dad is garbage. And like, because yeah. when I was a kid, you know, my dad didn't have to deal with that because when... Because when I was younger, grown-ups disregarded children. 
Yeah. Like we used to say that, and my dad would be like, is someone talking? You know what I mean? Yeah. But now she'll be like, my dad's garbage, and I'm going to have to be like, she's so brave. I totally agree with her. Yeah. That's I such mean, a great point. She's saying it so well. Someone needed to say it. No, but I think it's also, uh, you don't know. What do you That's mean? That's the thing. It's not predestined. Oh, interesting. So did you deal with that with any of your kids? Well, my um, my oldest, not really embarrassed of me, my son, and then my next daughter, you know, can you act like you don't know me? Oh my God. So um, <laughs> it's- Can you act like you don't know me is so great. Right? But like, and in oh. front of kids that I've met before. Yeah. Um, and so, but- This is the most petty version of Jim Gaffigan I've ever seen. In front of kids I've met. So the final thing we do is working out for a cause. And yes. I think we should give to Georgetown Scholarship Program. Yes. And then we should link to them in the show notes since we yes. raised a ton of money for them. And, and it's such a good organization. Yeah. You know, it's just making some steps. Yes. You know what I mean? I don't know. What are the answers? To, what are the answers? We, have, all the, we have the Tom? answers. I'm Mike. Mike, okay. <laughs> I go by Mike currently. Burbigs. Jim, congrats on the special. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming by the studio. So fun. And uh, this is, uh, I, I, I'm excited for people to see Dark Pale. So good. Thanks so much. So Appreciate good. it. Thank um, you. And uh, we'll wrap this up. Is a, that was the perfect ending. Yeah, it's a great ending. This is the ending yeah. where people are like, wait, well, they ended it like that? It's great. Working it out because it's not done. Working it out because there's no that's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. You can follow Jim on Instagram, at Jim Gaffigan. Go see Jim on tour. Watch his special on Prime Video. He's a phenomenal comic. Is it, is it safe to say legendary comic? He's a legendary comic. Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Joseph Berbiglia and Peter Salamone, associate producer Mabel Lewis, consulting producer Seth Barish, assistant producer Gary Simons, Sound mix by Ben Cruz. Supervising engineer Kate Belinsky. Special thanks to Mercer Hurwitz and Josh Upfall, as well as David Raphael and Nina Quick, my consigliere's Mike Berkowitz. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. Special thanks to Jay Hopestein, my wife, the poet, and of course our daughter Una, who built the original radio fort made of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who are listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. You know what's the most helpful? If you have three minutes, go on Apple Podcasts, rate and review Actually, even you don't even have to review. Just say what your favorite episode is. And that way, if people just stumble upon the, the podcast, there's you know, there's a hundred plus episodes. Then they know they, they know what to what to go to. Thanks most of all to you who are listening. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. Maybe you're friends with the Pope. Maybe you're enemies with the Pope. Either would be phenomenal. We gotta get this out to the Pope. We gotta get the Pope to be working out jokes. See you next time, everybody. We'll be working it out. <laughs>